Hello again, fight fans. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast, episode 317. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and the Ring Digital YouTube channel, where you are watching me live. As always, I ask you guys to subscribe and click that little notification bell so you never miss a live video. We need likes, we need shares, we need subs. And I ask for you to go over to my YouTube channel, Montero Unboxing, and subscribe there as well because I put out content on that channel. Uh, also, if you missed the live video of TNC, don't worry about it. The audio pod goes out on podcast platforms around the world 24 hours after the video is released. Actually, less than 24 hours. It's the following day. And uh, all you got to do is look for the neutral corner, Montero Unboxing. You will find me. And once again, I ask for subscriptions, likes, reviews, ratings, all that good stuff. We do not charge a monetary fee for this show. The fee is simple, non-monetary. All I want you guys to do is spread the word about the show. If you get something out of it, if you have some fun, maybe you learn something, maybe you see things from a different angle, whatever it is, just share the show. We, we grow this show by word of mouth, okay? Uh, same thing with my channel, Montero Unboxing. And if you're not following me yet, I'm on all the social media. Well, most of the social. I don't do TikTok and all that crap, but Twitter, Instagram, all of that good stuff, Montero Unboxing, okay? And of course, you can check out my website, MonteroUnboxing.com. So uh, first comment already on the chat is from BK. He says, jab the like and subscribe. I like that comment. Make sure you do that, guys. Jab that like button and that subscribe button, not only here on Ring Digital, but on Montero Unboxing. All right, let's jump right into this, man. We've got a bunch of stuff to cover today, guys. We had three real big, I would call them statement-making performances from three young fighters who are actually world title holders, one of them unified and one of them undisputed. He's an undisputed champion now. So uh, three young guys really making their mark in different ways, but all in, in dominant fashion. We'll get into that. And then we have a bunch of fights this week, starting on Tuesday and going all the way up through the weekend. So a lot of stuff to preview. Let's start with news and notes, though. And we're going to get right into this, man. Um, it's not official yet. But there are negotiations, serious negotiations underway for a fight between Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence uh, to go up against each other in October. It would most likely be Las Vegas. It would absolutely be pay-per-view, maybe Fox pay-per-view, I think. Uh, that's probably the most likely candidate. But if this fight can happen this year, that's great. Everybody wins. Boxing wins. It's long overdue. This fight is, in my opinion, right at the tail end of its due date. If this thing gets pushed back to next year, shame on everybody involved. But I'm hearing good things. I mean, I've asked around. I have no inside info or anything like that, but I have asked around to good sources, and they all tell me that this is legit. This is not bullshit. This is not uh, media spin or anything like that, promotional propaganda, saying one thing and doing a different thing behind the scenes. Apparently, they really are negotiating this thing, and it is – uh, fairly close to being done. I say that with caution because we've been here a million times where you know we get excited about a fight that's almost done and then it falls through. But if you look at where Errol Spence is and where Terrence Crawford are, neither one of them really have a place to go. And so if they fight now, maybe you have a rematch clause, right? And then the winner, I mean, you could end up with a three-fight series here if you really think about it. You really could. But Jermel Charlo is right up there at 154. He's undisputed. If you're the PBC, 
you want to get things consolidated at 47 so you can get that guy to move up. You can get Charlo to move up. Maybe the two of them fight each other eventually, which would be great. But even if you move everybody up, then they have new divisions to conquer. You can keep these guys going. There's a lot of fight possibilities. And PBC has a lot of guys at 47 to 54. And they have a few now uh, at 60, a ton at 68. So, so they have a lot of business in those middle range divisions, right? So um, obviously, Terrence Crawford's a promotional free agent. If he does a three-fight deal or something like that with PBC, I highly doubt they do a one-and-done. You got to think it'd be a two- or three-fight deal, which would include a rematch clause against Spence. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense. I, I get it. But if we can end up seeing the winner between Spence and Crawford eventually go up to 54 and go for a title up there, that's great, man. And if this thing happens this year, I'm really happy for it. I've been writing and tweeting and talking about this matchup for years literally for years, okay? And not just here on this show, not just on my Twitter account, but in Ring Magazine and in other magazines. I've been talking about this on radio spots, other podcasts I've been on. Everybody in the business wants this fight, everybody. And now there are absolutely zero hurdles, zero distractions. Like this this thing should get done. And I'm going to I'm going to remain cautiously opti- <clears throat> optimistic that it does get done for the fourth quarter. 2022. Now, real quick, I wanted to hit on uh, pound for pound discussion, and then we'll get into the fight review. I'm not going to do an hour long discussion on pound for pound, but pound for pound shaking up right now because a couple of the fighters I'm going to talk about on this show re- have had some big, big performances lately. One of them is an undisputed champion now, and the the young guard is starting to really, really come up and knock on the door of that top 10 pound for pound list. However, that old guard is still there. And what's happening, I think, right now is you have a lot of, I guess, established boxing media and uh, the media platforms and boxing writers and a lot of the older, more educated, experienced fans kind of clinging to the pound for pound list they've had over the last year or so, at least the names. They're shuffling around the order, but the names are kind of staying the same. And then a lot of the younger fans are wanting to see guys like Devin Haney, Tank Davis, um, who I don't think is there, but I'm just saying. Tank Davis, Stephen Fulton. Now, Devin Haney, Stephen Fulton, they are there. They're knocking on the door, and they're wanting to see those guys on the pound-for-pound list. The, The discussion and the debate is about what you prefer. What, what criteria you look at when you're rating a guy. And what's happening increasingly is I think some of these guys are getting in off of one or knocking on the door, I should say, off of one big fight, one big fight versus other guys who have had to do it over a series of years. So what do I mean by that? Okay, let's look at lightweight, which I think is relevant because we just had a big lightweight fight in Australia. This past weekend, by the way, my recap of that fight is still on ringtv.com. Very well-received recap. I'm getting a lot of kudos on that one. So you guys might want to check it out. Quotes from both fighters and some stats and stuff that you might enjoy. Anyway, uh, lightweight division. It was Vasily Lomachenko. I know some of you just get really butthurt when I mention that name. But if you really think about it, that's the guy that moved up from 126, then 130, then came up to 135, fought the last lineal lightweight champion and then unified all the belts now we can argue about the wbc thing i'm not i'm not really interested in that right now 
Vasily Lomachenko was the champion. And he sort of kind of had to clean it out. He had to fight several guys and win the belts. And he did this after moving up, not once, but twice, you know, two divisions higher than his natural weight. And by the way, he's still fighting at lightweight, which is still two divisions above his natural weight. He bulks up to fight there. But then comes in Teofimo Lopez, and he has one big fight. Now, he had beat a couple of top 10 guys, right? He had. He had earned his belt, and he did win a belt. He you know, came in, and it was a unification with Lomachenko, but Lomachenko had won the other belts. And um, this was, you know, the, the, for the full thing, regardless of what the WBC says. And Tio won an upset. Now, at Ring Magazine, we immediately ranked Tiafima Lopez on the pound-for-pound pound list. And in retrospect, that was a mistake. And a lot of us, uh, you know, we've talked about this over the last few weeks because of some recent performances by some of these other young guys who have come up and won Undisputed. And a lot of times, some of these guys are doing it in one or two fights because of the way things are working out for them, especially when it's all in-house promotions. And, it, you know, we ranked Teofimo Lopez pound for pound. The talent-wise, he's, he's up there. He's in the discussion. But we saw what happened in his very next fight. And George Cambosos comes in. He has really the upset of the year in beating Teofimo Lopez. And he becomes the guy at lightweight. And now he ends up fighting Devin Heaney. And you just saw a tremendous level gap, skill gap and everything. Everything these two guys do. Just a huge gap between the two of them. Devin Haney is just so much better than George Cambosos. And I'm sorry to, for the Aussie fans that that might upset, but it's just the truth. Cambosos probably hits harder. And maybe he's got a better chin. You know, some of those kind of intangibles. But technically, all the technical stuff, Devin Haney's just better. And you saw the level. And it takes me back. And by the way, I predicted Haney by wide points, right? Go back and look at the record. It's all out there. You guys saw that. When you looked at the fight that George Cambosos had with Tiafima Lopez, he came, Tiafima Lopez took Cambosos lightly. We all know that, right? Uh, had a terrible camp, came in overconfident, and just started flat. And Cambosos wanted it. He came in extremely hungry and he started really fast. He drops Tiafima Lopez. He builds up a massive lead in the first half of that fight. But Tiafima Lopez was able to work his way back into that fight. Tio had a, a poor camp, wasn't 100%. I guess there were some health issues. We know, regardless of that, there were a lot of emotional and mental distractions for him. It just wasn't the best Tio. Yet, despite all that, he was able to narrow the gap and get some, some work done late to where he made that a close fight. That was a close fight. I thought Cambosos won, but it was close. And I really thought about that fight a lot for a couple reasons going into this week. For one, it's pretty much exactly what just happened in my own personal fight three weeks back, my own personal amateur fight. Very similar scenario. I played the part of Tiafimo Lopez. My opponent played the part of George Cambosos. The only difference is I didn't get knocked down. That's the only difference. Um, but seeing that play out, you know, for me personally, and then seeing, uh, thinking back on that fight, me and my coach were actually talking about it as we were previewing Devin Haney's fight against George Cambosos coming up. Now, look, why am I bringing all this up? Because it's relevant because Haney and Cambosos just fought, but also as it relates to the pound for pound discussion, you look at someone like Devin Haney and there's a lot of people saying he needs to be in the top 10. My question is, who do you take out of the current top 10 
to put Devin Haney in? That's my first question. My second question is, do you put a guy in the pound for pound list based off of one win? Because if you look at Devin Haney's resume, he's got a couple of solid, decent wins for, you know, developmental, young um, prospect, baby contender level wins. But this was his first big step up, you know, against a, a top level guy, uh, at least, you know, a champion. And Cambosos was the champion. And I was impressed because Haney went all the way to Australia. He had a million distractions going in. Um, he could have took this guy lightly. He could have let the distractions get to him. He didn't. He didn't pull a Tiafima Lopez. He went in there and was sharp. And he put on a an outstanding technical performance. It was kind of a boring, frustrating fight to watch for fans, especially fans of George Cambosos. But from a technical standpoint, it was a brilliant performance. Yeah, I, I, all that I agree with, right? Again, check my report at ringtv.com. But is it pound for pound worthy? Yes, Haney is a un, undisputed champion. He has all the belts at lightweight. But has he fought the top lightweights in the world? Has he cleaned out the division? And this is where you get into the, the, the tough discussions as it relates to pound for pound. So I'm, I'm going to cut it off right there. But I just want to put that in your mind, guys, because a lot of you, I've seen tweets. Hey, Mike, what do you think about this? Uh, I think Devin Haney should be in the pound for pound list. And, and look, on the surface, I agree with you. And at some point, some of these older guys who have been there for a while, they haven't really been very active lately. Maybe you do take them off for inactivity. But my question to you guys is this. Do you keep some of those guys on there who have fought three, four, five top fighters and consolidated titles themselves or moved up in weight and beat top opposition in multiple weight classes or do you put, put a, do you remove those guys and put a new guy in there based off of really one win one win where he got all the belts you know and for me i know my answer i'm keeping that guy on the list that has three four five top wins you know that's been in there cleaning out a division or beating top guys at several different weights Fighting and beating guys above his natural best weight. Um, that's that's what I rate higher, you know. So undisputed seems to be happening more and more and more, and I'm happy for that. It's a good thing. I think the promoters are starting to finally figure out how to do this. They're positioning themselves better to unify belts because most of the time when you see these these complete unification fights, it's mostly in-house, if we're being honest. There might be one fight in there where different promoters are working together. But most of these unifications, it's all in-house. So it's the promoters positioning themselves and their fighters better. They're starting to learn how to do that. The sanctioned organizations are helping them make that work. Anyway, just wanted to put that in there, a little food for thought, pound for pound, because I know that is um, something a lot of you guys talk about. So let me get to some comments and then we're going to jump into this review. All right. We got a super chat here from Anthony Santiago. Thank you so much, Ant. He says, what's up, Mike? We need a rant on ESPN's production Saturday. It was fucking terrible. How did they go to commercial with three seconds left in the round? LOL. Dude, they did it a couple times. It was really jarring. And I don't know if there is an issue between the Australian network feed coming into ESPN's feed and maybe there was a timing thing, but it was very jarring. Cause yeah, there'd be a few seconds left in the round and just boom, it'd go right to a, you know, a top gun commercial or whatever um, over and over and over that happened. And the production was pretty bad. 
and just the, the filler material, man, they start, look, I'll get into that card. You know what? Let's just use that as a segue Ant, to get into this uh, preview. Let's just get right into it because that's just a perfect segue. Let me just start ranting on this. Um, so Debella Entertainment was the lead promoter, Melbourne, Australia, Marvel Stadium, the Docklands. And um, it was George Cambosis, Devin Haney for the undisputed lightweight title. And this was on ESPN. It started at 9 p.m. Saturday night. The main event didn't start till, I want to say the ring walks are about 11.30. So I actually tweeted, like, do you guys think this will go on midnight, after midnight, or before midnight? And, um, you know, for me, being a pessimist, I thought it'd be well after midnight. But it actually wasn't. It started, I don't know, maybe 11.30-ish. But that doesn't matter because for two and a half hours, you guys were treated to a hot, steaming pile of dog shit. That card was absolute dog shit. Now, look, there were some good fights on the card, but the spacing and timing of the broadcast was so bad. And I don't know why ESPN thought the need, top rank ESPN, the folks there thought felt the need to do a two and a half, what no, it ended up being a three plus hour long show where there was really one high level fight. The Maloney brothers both got knockout wins. Lucas Brown got a, a questionable knockout KO one win over junior Fa. Both of the big punches that dropped or hurt Fa. I think he got dropped once, maybe twice. I can't remember, but they were both behind the head. Now it was kind of Fa's fault. You know, I don't think Brown was trying to be dirty. Anyway, it wasn't like this scintillating one punch knockout or something like that. And ESPN kept showing replay re over, you know, replay, replay, replay of that. Cause they really had nothing else, but man, you had, Two and a half hours to fill with, with not a whole lot of action. I don't get it. So many times ESPN um, doesn't put on enough coverage or when they have boxing, like we have to watch like women's JV volleyball, like West Kentucky state is going up against Southwest Texas tech, you know? And, and I'm like, I don't give a shit. What the hell is this? Right. We have to wait. And you have to go to ESPN news to watch the damn boxing. And then finally it flips over, right? It's, it's that kind of shit. Or they'll they'll throw the undercards, which is smart, on ESPN Plus, and then switch over to ESPN for maybe the co-main. Why in the hell did they have hours of coverage on ESPN primetime Saturday night that sucked? And then you jump into the main event. This should have just been the main event. I don't know why they did it this way. There was nobody they're really previewing on the, on the undercards that they're going to have fighting in America. Top rank is going to have. So I just don't get why they did it this way. I really don't know. Maybe there was nothing else going on that ESPN could have, but it was just really, really long and boring and dull and just a terribly run show from a network perspective. Now, people that I know who were there actually enjoyed it. They enjoyed being at the fights, and I think the Australian feed, the TV feed over there, was much different, and it probably flowed better for you guys. But over here in the States, it was just Mark Kriegel and Mark Kriegel and Mark Kriegel talking about, you know, there's just always some, you know, epic story he's trying to lay out. And I, look, I like Mark Kriegel. I think he's very good at what he does. I just don't give a shit about all these damn vignettes and, you know, hearing about this person's dead puppy or this person's, you know, sick uncle's next door neighbor's friend's parrot. I just don't give a shit. Go to the fights. And I think that the networks would be 
they just they'd be better off coming in maybe at a co-main for something like this, especially when it's a fight that's overseas here in America, you know, if you're broadcasting it here in America and just get to the damn show, just get to what we want to see. Anyway. Yeah. The, the, um, the, the broadcast of it was difficult to get through, but the fight itself, Devin Haney wins, improves to 28, you know, wins by the scores of 118, 110, which was a good score. And 116, 112 twice, which were, Really horrible scores. I don't know how you give George Cambosis four rounds of this fight. I thought a round or two is pretty much what you could give him if you're being generous. If you had this 120-108, I wouldn't be mad at you. I really wouldn't. I think you could go anywhere from like 120-108 to 118-110. That's pretty much the scoring range. But two judges had a 116-112, not at all surprising, but I don't know what the hell they were watching. Anyway, so Devin Haney wins this fight on the jab. That's pretty much what he did. This was a lightweight version of the post-Emmanuel Stewart version of Vladimir Klitschko. This was using uh, offensive um, technical skills combined with superior athleticism and size, length, and understanding distance and rhythm and timing and footwork, positioning, all of that. Haney was brilliant at all that. He really, really was. George Cambosos could not get past the jab. And it's not even like Haney was doubling and tripling and quadrupling it like Klitschko would do. It was pretty much one at a time. Uh, Haney would just, boom, nail him with a shotgun jab and then hug him. he got get his head way off the line. Haney was dipping his head way to his right, jabbing and grabbing. And Cambosis a couple times snuck in a left hook and surprised Haney when he tried to get his head off the line. Then Haney made a simple little adjustment, and he just kept his head on line. Kept the right hand up and just stayed long. Kept his head back and boom, jabbed that way. Then when he saw Cambosos move his left hand, whoop, he shot back down, got his head off the line to the right and shot another jab. So it was just jab, 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 and jab and grab, for being honest, from Devin Haney. It was highly effective. The only difference between like what Haney did and like what Klitschko used to do is at least Klitschko's seven, eighth round, ninth round, he gets you out of there. Finally, when you were exhausted, Boom, he'd lower that that right hand, or sometimes he'd hook off the jab and sleep a dude. There was none of that from Haney, and he's just not going to do it. Uh, but this version of Haney will be tough to beat. However, it ain't going to work the same way against guys like Ryan Garcia, who has faster hands than Devin Haney and is every bit as tall as he is. I don't know if he's quite as long, but he's close. Or guys like uh, Tiafima Lopez. Gervonta Davis, who are more explosive and punch harder than Devin Haney, or even a guy like Vasily Lomachenko, who has faster feet and better angles and spacing. Okay, he gets side to side better than Haney does because Haney's a little bit in and out, straight. He does get his head off, but I'm talking about with his feet, kind of straight in, straight out. Um, there's a little, <laughs> a little bit of Dimitri Bivol in them in that way. Uh, not exactly the same, obviously. I'm just saying the way his feet move. So Haney's not going to be able to just simply jab all night, jab and grab against those types of fighters. He's not going to be able to do that. But against a guy like Cambosos, who's shorter, shorter arms, shorter in height, and really doesn't have the technical skills to get inside of that, you know, I guess Haney just looked at it like, why, why risk it? Why get caught with something stupid? Why give the judges an excuse here to give him the fight? I'm just going to jab the hell out of this guy. Anytime he gets close, I'm going to clinch him. 
Referee never warned him for clinching. Referee never said, hey, I'm going to take a point. Nothing like that. Not that I thought what Heaney was doing was egregious, or it's not like he was fouling, but some refs will get on your ass a little bit for that. The ref kind of let him do it. And from Camboso's standpoint, dude, when you got somebody jabbing and grabbing you, you got to make an adjustment. You got to do something to him to get him to stop doing that. And Cambosos wasn't able to do it. He tried a couple things, and he'd have success for a few seconds, but then Haney quickly made an adjustment, and it was all Haney had to do was change up the rhythm or the trajectory of the jab or just his angle, just a little bit, <clears throat> and that was enough to throw Cambosos off. That's all it took. What Haney did wasn't genius, but it was highly effective. And it was extremely disciplined. It is, guys, it is really hard to fight that way and do that over 12 rounds. It is just difficult to do. It takes somebody that is highly skilled, but also very, very highly disciplined. And that's what Haney did. So fantastic performance. Didn't set the world on fire. Maybe didn't make a whole lot of fans in regards to the way he fought. But hey, just win, baby. That's the expression, right? Just win. And that's what he did. Now he's the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. He's got to go right back to Australia and do the rematch. And by the way, Camboso said he wants it. We'll see what happens. We'll see if his team talks to him and they decide differently. But he says he wants it. And Haney has to go back. I mean, he signed the contract, so we know he wants it. I don't know if Cambosos will get another $10 million payday, but he'll get at least half of that. He's going to get another substantial payday if they do it again. What I'm curious to see, because I don't think Cambosos can really do anything different. We'll, we'll find out. But what I want to see is can Devin Haney do even more in the rematch? Can he actually stop this guy? Can he add a right hand every now and then? I, I don't mean just a touch right hand, a little touch, just to change the angle up. No, I mean an actual right hand with bad intentions. Can he hurt Cambosos and get him out of there and show us some growth on his end? How about an uppercut? I don't think I've ever seen Haney throw an uppercut. That might be nice. Uh, a left hook, <laughs> a body shot. So he did stab to the body. He did. Okay. But I'm talking about a, a nasty right hand straight in to the gut or to the solar plex, a little uppercut to the solar plex, something like that. I'd like to see him maybe switch it up and put a little bit more on it and see if he could do even more in the rematch. I don't think Cambosos can. You guys tell me if I'm wrong, but that's just what I see. So look, as it relates to my pound for pound discussion, I don't want to be a hypocrite because generally speaking, when I see guys become undisputed champions of a division, I pretty much, they're in my top 10, right? And I put Charlo in my top 10. The difference between Charlo and Haney is Charlo does have a couple of wins over a couple of top rated guys. They're not that good. I do think 154 is overrated, um, but Charlo does have a, a track record of a couple of decent wins. More than that, though, I was impressed that he came back from losses. He came back from two losses and showed improvements. That's hard to do. And he he won his titles not just in one night. He had to unify. He had to really, really put it together. It's taken him a couple years to do this. So I thought Charlo's earned it. Do I think Charlo's one of the 10 best fighters in the world head-to-head? -head? No, I don't. I don't. But in terms of accomplishments and recent accomplishments, Yes, I do think he's there. For Haney, though, and I know this sounds bad. I just don't know if I could put Haney in my top 10 yet. I think talent-wise, he's there. 
However, he kind of did one thing over and over for 12 rounds against Cambosos, which was very hard to do, very highly technically skilled. All of those things I just said. You guys heard all of it, right? But I don't know if I saw a variety and a pound-for-pound level skill set over an elite-level fighter. George Cambosos, I've never thought of him that way. I'm going to piss off my Australian viewers today. I like George Cambosos. Good fighter. He earned every dollar he made this weekend by beating Tiafima Lopez. By coming in and taking Tio serious, Tio wasn't taking him serious. He made him pay for it. Props to George Cambosos, and he sacrificed greatly for that, okay? But he's not an elite-level fighter. He's just not. I don't know if he's the fifth-best lightweight in the world, head-to-head. I probably wouldn't pick him to beat Javante Davis. I wouldn't be, pick him to beat Ryan Garcia. I think Tiafima Lopez would beat him in a rematch if he's 100%. I think Lomachenko beats him. I think Haney beats him. There might even be a couple other guys that could beat him. Joseph Diaz Jr. might beat him. You know, I, let me pull up the lightweight ratings right now. And again, I'm not trying to sound disrespectful. And I know that's how a lot of you guys are going to take it. And I'm not saying George Cambosos on any given night couldn't give anybody trouble. Okay. Because he could. But I do think Cambosos is better than Isaac Cruz. I think that's clear. He's better than Javier Fortuna. Uh, he's better than Richard Comey, but not by much. I don't know if he's that much. He's kind of Richard Comey, Joseph Diaz level. And that's not bad. He's a top 10 lightweight. But I just, listen, head to head, no, no shit. I'm being totally, totally real here. I think Tiafima Lopez beats him in the rematch. And by the way, I said that before this weekend. Go back and check the record. I've said that before. I think Ryan Garcia beats him. I think Ryan Garcia actually knocks him out. I think Tiafima Lopez knocks him out in a rematch. I think Javante Davis probably goes the distance, but Javante edges him out right now. The only difference is Cambosos might hurt Davis, right? Um, and Lomachenko just boxes circles around him, even more so than David Haney just did. So just to put things in perspective, I'm not trying to rain on Devin Haney's parade. I just, for me, not quite pound for pound yet. But top 15? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let's stick with this uh, pound for pound discussions and go over to Minneapolis, Minnesota. TGB Promotions had a card from the armory there that was broadcast on Showtime. In the co-main, Super in the weights, David Morrell improves to 7-0 with a TKO4 win over Calvin Henderson. Uh, decent win. Look, I look at Morrell as a top-level prospect. You want to call him a contender? Okay, cool. Only seven fights in, really, really has looked really strong, but not against the best opposition. I want to see this guy step it up. I know he's only got seven fights, but he has a piece of one of the WBA's 400 titles. Um, they're talking about him as a potential opponent for some of the top guys like David Benavidez and whatnot. If that's the case, I want to see him in there against the top 10 guys soon enough. Main event, Stephen Fulton improves to 21-0, and 0, does his hometown of Philadelphia very proud, and defends his unified 122-pound titles with a basically a shutout win over Daniel Roman. And to be clear, for Fulton, this was the first defense of his WBC belt, the second defense of his WBO belt. Now, why do I mention that? Okay, because he is a title holder. He is a unified title holder, but he is a newly crowned title holder. He has, again, one defense of his BC, two defenses of his BO. So 
He does have unified belts, unified champion. Yes. But it's not like he's had these belts for three years or something. So he's, he's a guy that's still building his way up. I mentioned this because there's talk of Stephen Fulton getting on the pound for pound list right now. And talent wise, he might be better than Devin Haney. He looked really, really great in this fight against a better opponent, probably. And, and Daniel, at least I would say a more versatile opponent in, in um, Daniel Roman than, than Devin Haney faced against George Cambosos. Uh, I just think Roman can do a few more things. At least that's what he showed us in the past. Anyway, Fulton pitches a damn near shutout. Looked really good. The only thing Fulton and Haney don't have is power. They just don't have power. They don't have game-changing power. And at some point, it will cost them. Against this level of opposition, though, they can basically keep doing this. They're going to be really, really tough to beat. But when they get in there against a guy that can match them on speed, on athleticism, and at least can be close in skills and things like that, and also be as tall and long as them and punch harder than them, then we're going to find out what they're truly, truly made of. But that's going to be rare to find guys like that. So, so for the most part, these guys are going to dominate, at least at the weight classes they are at right now. When they move up in weight, things might change. But Fulton's another one. I can't put him on my pound-for-pound pound list yet. And, and I think hey, Haney's closer because he's undisputed. He is closer. But for Fulton, I want to see him fight Akhmedailov. I want to see him have – he's got – here's a difference, too, with uh, Fulton. He's actually got a couple of wins over top guys now. I would say he has a couple wins uh, that I would rate higher than Devin Haney's top wins. So in terms of quality of opposition, I think Fulton's closer. In terms of accomplishments, I think Haney's closer. But both of these guys are like at the top 15, just outside the top 10 in my opinion. Fulton just has to put together another one or two title defenses, and, and one of those has to include Akhmedailov. And then he'll be the undisputed champion, and then he's in there. And he might squeeze in there for me before Haney does, based on everything I just said. But another brilliant performance. Again, he's not going to win over too many fans with this style, but just keep on winning, man. Just keep on winning and stacking up belts. Okay. Going back across the pond, uh, Matchroom Boxing had a card at the Motor Point Arena in Cardiff, Wales. This was broadcast on the zone here in America. And a statement was made by Joe Cordina, a 2016 Olympian who proved to improved to 15-0 with a KO2 win over Kenichi Agawa, who I believe coming into this fight had been uh, stopped maybe once in his career and was very early in his career. Since he had been on the title level, the world title level, he had lost, but I don't think he had been stopped. This was a huge statement. I, I thought Cordina was going to win this fight, but I thought it was going to go the distance. I thought he'd win a decision. Him blowing Agawa out of there, and one-punch knockout type of uh, knockout, right, to win the IBF junior lightweight title. This adds another name in that 130-pound division. And we think of Shakur Stevenson as the guy there, right? Um, and Bob Arum has been saying, oh, there's no one for him to fight, blah, blah, blah. I don't know, Bob. A fight between him and Joe Cordina, especially if Shakur is willing to travel and go over there to the U.K., that's a fun fight, man. That's a fun fight. And that would pretty much be a number one versus number two in this division right now because I think Cordina proved he's right there. You know, of course, of course, Stevenson's the guy. He's the top guy. But right behind him, Cordina, you know, I, I did with this performance. This was a statement-making performance and it showed that he could punch a little bit. 
So I, I enjoyed this one. I enjoyed it a lot. And you saw the the knockout, the you know, video of it all over Twitter and social media this weekend. Okay, let me get to some comments super duper quick. And then we'll move into this preview, right? Let me make I just want to make sure I don't miss anything. So I'm scrolling back. Want to make sure I don't miss any of you guys' stuff. Okay. Um, I got that one. Here's one from Sam. Thank you, Sam, for the super chat. He says, is there any way to avoid the rematch without vacating? To my knowledge, Sam, no. I mean, from Devin Haney's side, from his uh, perspective right now, he he is contractually mandated to do this rematch. It's not even the belts. The belts aren't even really involved with it. It's the promoter, the promotion. So it's a two-fight deal. And, you know, top rank represents them. They're locked in. DeBella Entertainment's locked in from Camboso's side. But also the Australian government's locked into this thing and the venue and all, all this stuff. So it's pretty complicated. And Haney's kind of stuck there. So let me tell you this. Even if one of these sanctioning organizations was going to strip him, it still wouldn't stop him from taking this fight. It's beyond the sanctioning bodies. So even if two of them said, hey, we want you to fight this mandatory, and he said, I can't. I got to fight Cambosos again. They're going to strip him. He's still got to fight Cambosos. So that, that fight's happening. The only one who could stop it is Cambosos himself. So if he decides he doesn't want it, if his team says they don't want it, then we won't get it. But short of that, it's happening. Aaron, thank you so much for the super chat, brother. He says, Mike, can Cambosos pull a Punisher Williams versus Carlos Quintana result in the rematch? You couldn't pay me to fly down to Smelburn for it, LOL. Um, look, it's possible. It's possible. But once again, look at how look at how P will matched up physically against Quintana. Right, look how look at how those two fighters matched up physically and in terms of styles. I just Cambosos, dude, he's shorter, his feet are slower, his head is on the line. His head movement isn't nearly as good as um, his upper body movement. And, you know, getting the, the maximum length on his punches and all that, it's just not nearly as good as Devin Haney. And it's no diss. Cambosos is a very, very good fighter. He's maybe the fifth or sixth best lightweight in the world right now in terms of talent and everything else. But, um, I, dude, he's, I just don't see anything he can do different. The, the person, again, I'll repeat this. The one that I'm interested in seeing if he can do something different is actually Haney. Can he improve upon his performance and add some more to it? Because I think Haney's got those levels. But Cambosos, dude, this was it, you know? That's just the way I see it anyway. Papa Chubby, thank you so much for that super chat, man. He says, hey, uh, Devin, dispatch Cam the way T.O. should have. Absolutely correct. And actually, in terms of styles, Tiafima Lopez should have stopped Cambosos. But, I, you know, I look, he came in overconfident. He said, Here, here's what happened, guys. And again, I can kind of relate to this a little bit in my crazy, dumb little world and a little bit of fighting I've done. Uh, Tiafima Lopez came into that fight with George Cambosos. He saw that Cambosos had two close split decision wins on the road, they were on the road, but even if they should have been major or um, unanimous decisions, they were kind of seven rounds to five type of decisions against guys like Lee Selby. So he saw that. And then uh, Tio told himself, man, I just beat Vasily Lomachenko. 
I just beat one of the pound for pound best fighters in the world. One of the best amateur fighters ever. One of the most accomplished fighters of the last five or so years. I just beat him. This guy ain't going to do shit to me. And he came in half-assed and he got cold cocked early on in that fight. And the thing is, <clears throat> despite Tio being levels better, he's or despite him starting so slowly because he was levels better he was able to work his way back into that and almost pull it off and i'm telling you right now when i was thinking about george cambosos and devin haney i remembered the last few rounds of cambosos fight with tio and i thought yeah that's the devin haney that's going to show up he's, he's, he's going to do that and the only difference is, you know, Tiafima Lopez almost stopped Cambosos. He tuned him up in one of those rounds, almost had him out of there, just couldn't quite finish the show. He was a little tired, wasn't in the best shape, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, maybe the mentality wasn't to finish. It was just, oh, man, may, maybe I edged him now because I hurt him, that sort of thing. Maybe the judges will give it to me, edge it to me. And again, I can relate to that feeling. I've been there recently. And um, the difference is Haney's not that guy. He's going to come in 100% sharp for every single fight. At least that's what we've seen from him so far. Teofimo Lopez, if he comes in 100% and fights the way he fought Vasily Lomachenko, he knocks out George Cambosos. End of story. I know it's going to upset some of you. It's just the truth. Mark Ashley with the Super Chat. Thank you so much, Mark. He said, agreed, huge win against a lesser-looking competitor, more factors than even a huge win. Who you fought, when you fought them, etc. Pound for pound should demand more than that. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, you got to rate these guys. I just think it, it's it's interesting that you have some fighters who have to toil for a couple years, two or three years. And again, maybe they move up and wait and they do this. And um, they consolidate all these belts and they establish themselves as a top rated fighter a pound for pound rated fighter whether they're undisputed or not they're seen as the top guy in a division and they're seen as one of the top guys pound for pound in the world and then a younger guy who's kind of feasted on b and c level fighters gets that older guy at the right time it scores a big upset win has that guy earned a pound for pound level accomplishment i don't know about that on any given night anyone could beat anyone and so sometimes I think we jump the gun a little bit too quickly with these guys who pull off one big win. It's about your overall body of work. Anybody can kind of put it all together on one night. Uh, can you do it time in and time again? Can you um, come back from an L? Can you come back from a poor, even a fight you win, but it's a poor performance. Can you come back and show improvement? Can you clean out a division? Can you, uh, can you show up time and time again and fight top level guys and beat them? To me, that's pound for pound. That's pound for pound, in my opinion. All right. Um, oh, we got some more super chats. Wow, you guys are awesome. And Sam A with another one. Thank you, Sam. He says, Kanuchi definitely needed his Andro Stendion. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't going to mention this, but Kanichi Agawa, he had been, uh, he had tested positive for steroids in the past. I think he had won a belt or, it's, or something like that at some point, a world title, and it was taken away from him, changed to a no contest. I know it was a high-level fight, whether it was for a title or not, because he tested positive for steroids. So he didn't look the same uh, in this fight, and he sure didn't take a punch the same he has in the past. Hmm, makes you wonder. Uh, at the same token, at the same time, I got to mention Lucas Brown. 
that dude's been a performance enhancing drugs user. And he had some, the, the only thing with Lucas Brown is he looks soft. His body looks soft. And it's not like he had this crushing power where he, where he absolutely slept junior fall. He nailed him in the back of the head. That's going to mess anybody up, but still, you always got to wonder, right? If a guy's, uh, been busted once. You always got to wonder. Chris Bergen, my man with the super chat. Thank you so much, Chris. He said, what a shot by Cordina. Boom. Woo. Yeah, man. Great shot. And you it got the crowd going. Cordina was excited. The commentators were excited. That's the kind of thing that gets people talking. And it's a statement. At 130, it's, it's a division that's kind of wide open after that top level, right? We know Shakur Stevenson's the guy. But after that, it's 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 kind of top heavy. There's not a lot of other guys in there. So for Cordina to pull that off, win a belt, legitimately take that belt, uh, it adds another name in that division, and I think it's needed. That isn't the strongest division in the world right now. Sam with another super chat. Thank you so much, brother. He says Devin Haney at 23 is as good as Floyd was. Hmm. I don't know if I'm going to go there, Sam. I'll tell you a big difference. Floyd was knocking guys out. Floyd was busting guys up and knocking guys out uh, as a young fighter at 130 and 135. Also, Floyd was a high-level amateur. And Devin accomplished a lot as an amateur, but Floyd did a little more. So I don't know if I put him where Floyd was. Actually, in certain, I mean, there's certain things stylistically he kind of does like Floyd. But actually, Shakur Stevenson, in certain ways, has got a little Floyd in him, too. I just look at it like this. There's only one Floyd Mayweather, and neither of those guys are going to be him. There's a couple other guys out there that got elements of Floyd, which makes sense, right? Because they came up watching Floyd and, and learning from him, admiring him. But um, I don't know. I don't know if, if, I, if I go quite that far, but he's close. He's close. Nigel with the super chat. Thank you so much, Nigel. She says, uh, 2022 is the year of undisputed. So good. Yeah, look, 2022 is turning out to be a pretty good year. Look, if we end up getting the rematch between Joshua and Usyk, which we should, that's supposedly done for July, but it hasn't been made officially official. We're going to get Canelo Golovkin, the third fight between them. We already got undisputed at 154. We're going to get close to undisputed at 175. Uh, we've got belts unified in several divisions. We just saw 122, and now we've got 135 consolidated, and we're having the greatest year in women's boxing history. That's uh, that's a, a, another thing, too, to throw in there, right? All that, all that factored in, um, this is a pretty damn good year, and we're not even halfway done yet. I think that, and then, oh, shit, if we get Crawford and Spence, Yo, you're going to get undisputed at 147. And we've been wanting that forever. So, um, man, this might end up being one of the best years, I would say, post-2000 in boxing. Seriously, really, really might. Which would be great because we freaking need it, man. We freaking need it, people. All right, uh, let's do this preview. Then we'll take a few of these phone calls. All right, this Tuesday, June 7th, man, we get fights on Tuesday. What? The rematch between Naoya Inoue and Nonito Donaire at the Super Arena in Saitama, Japan, just outside of Tokyo. And this will be on ESPN+. Plus. So a lot of you guys have asked about this. From what I've been told, ring walks for the main event 
should be right around 8 a.m. Eastern time. So get your ass up. Now, you might want to get up a little earlier than that. You might want to turn on your ESPN Plus app at 745. But while you're having your morning coffee on the East Coast, for once the East Coast guys went out because you guys on the West Coast, 5 a.m., that's kind of (laughs) early. But here, 8 a.m., hey, we're awake at that time anyway to get ready for work, right? So um, you wake up and you um, have your coffee, you chill, you get dressed for work, you have your cereal, whatever it is you eat, you turn on ESPN Plus, you're going to get a fantastic fight, man. In the way, Donair, this is for uh, three of the belts. You know, talk about undisputed. We're, we're pretty close here at 118 at Bantamweight. Three of the belts. This is for Inouye's IBF and WBA and Donair's WBC. The last time these two fought was in 2019, the end of 2019, and it was the 2019 fight of the year. So am I expecting this to be fight of the year? Probably not, but I'm expecting it to be High-level good stuff with plenty of drama. I just think stylistically, these two guys, it's going to work out again. So since the first fight, both of them are undefeated. Inouye is 3-0. Donaire is 2-0. 5-0 between them since the first fight. All five by knockout. So these guys have been on knockout streaks. And Inouye's run includes a KO7 win over Jason Maloney. Jason Maloney himself, since that loss, I think is 3-0. With stoppages. So that that win has aged very, very well for Inouye. It wasn't really seen as a big win at the time, but I think that win has aged pretty well for him. And Donaire has beat Nordin Ubali and Raymar Gabayo, who were undefeated when he beat them. However, neither one of those men have fought since. So I don't know how those wins are going to age for Donaire. They look good right now. But sometimes, you know, you look at how a guy does after a loss and how he rebounds from that, how he does, and that kind of shows his true level. We don't really know how to rate Ubali or Gabayo. We don't know how to rate them because we haven't seen them back in the ring since they were knocked out by Nonito Donaire. Anyway, um, here's how I see this one playing out. They're going to be outstanding moments. Both guys are going to get work done. If I'm Donaire, I'm starting fast. I'm coming in guns blazing and trying to put some hard leather Test that orbital bone out that you busted in the first fight. Put some hard leather on Inouye and see what you could do from there. If I'm Inouye, I'm starting cautious in building as rounds go. Uh, you don't want to let Donaire get in a rhythm, but I think that, you know, you need to be prepared for a 12-round fight and try to wear Donaire down late and go for the stoppage. And that's what I see happening. I actually see Inouye winning this fight by stoppage. I think he's going to knock Donaire out somewhere in the second half of this fight. That's what I see happening. But I think it's going to be fantastic. And the crowd is going to be nuts, especially if Inoue does get the stoppage. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. Everyone's going to be pumped up for the workday after watching this. So Friday, June 10th, we got a couple of cards. Uh, Matchroom is doing a, a show with Canelo Promotions in Jalisco, Mexico City. Uh, of course, Mexico, uh, on The Zone. is being broadcast on The Zone. And I think these two announced recently a partnership. We're going to see Canelo and Matchroom promoting shows down there in Mexico, mostly Mexico City, on The Zone. So uh, in the main event, Hiroto Kayoguchi, 15-0 fighter out of Japan, uh, defending his WBA 108-pound, that is junior flyweight belt, for the fourth time against Mexican Esteban Bermudez. Bermudez. Uh, so 
That's the main event in that one. Also, from Verona, New York, upstate New York, Showbox has a show on Showtime, and it's a heavyweight special. There's a bunch of heavyweight fights on this thing. George Arias, who is a 17-0 Bronx-based heavyweight, originally from the Dominican Republic, now fights out of the Bronx. He's going up against Alante Green in an eight-rounder. And Uzbekistan native, Vakodir Jalalov, 10-0, Uzbekistan native, but now lives in Brooklyn. He's going up against Jack Molawahi, eight rounds, heavyweight. So you got a little Brooklyn, you got a little Bronx, you got a bunch of New York action in upstate New York. Huh? I think this one will make a lot more sense at MSG in the, um, the theater at MSG or even in Barclays, but this is upstate in Verona. I don't quite understand that. But anyway, I think it's going to be a fun show. Heavyweights, man, always a good time. And then Saturday, June 11th, we actually have a show, Top Ranks doing a show at the MSG Theater out of, uh, out of New York. And this is going to be on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Edgar Berlanga, 19-0 out of Brooklyn, going up against the toughest, most experienced opponent of his career, Romar Alexis Angulo, 10 rounds, super middleweights. Angulo has been in there with some top-level opposition at 168. He went. To, uh, he fought uh, Zerto, Gilberto Ramirez, and he fought David Benavidez. Now, he was beating those fights pretty, pretty dominantly, but he went to distance, right? So he goes rounds. He's a tough, durable guy, experienced. We're going to find out what Edgar Berlanga is made of in this fight. So I really like that matchup. It kind of feels like top rank is telling Berlanga, should I get off the pot? Let's see what this dude really has and reassess the situation. I like it. I like it a lot. Also, June 11th, Golden Boy Promotions has a card from the Honda Center in Anaheim, California. That's maybe an hour or so east of Los Angeles. This will be broadcast on the zone. Jaime Mungia in the main event. Going, to, going up against the UK's Jimmy Kelly, 12 rounds, super middleweights. It's listed as a super middleweight fight. I just don't know what to think of Jaime Munguia right now. I just don't. I don't know what to think of him. Will I watch this? There's probably, let's see, one, two, three, four fights I will watch before this one. If I get to it, I get to it. That's just how I feel about it. Also on this find uh saturday june 11th don king the ancient don king has a show out of miami florida at the casino miami jai alai i have no idea what the hell that is but that's the venue trevor bryan is going up against daniel dubois 12 rounds heavyweights for bryan's and i wouldn't mention this but i have to here because it's so funny bryan's wba regular heavyweight title now I beat up on the WBA a lot. They deserve it. This fight is exactly why I make fun of them. Trevor Bryan is not a top 25 heavyweight. He is going to get demolished by Daniel Dubois. If Daniel Dubois shows up in shape and does and focused 100% and isn't taking this guy lightly and fights him to the absolute best of his ability, he is going to beat the brakes off of Trevor Bryan. Now, Maybe I'll be proven wrong, and Trevor Bryan will make me look like a fool, and he'll show us levels never before seen, but that's pretty much what I'm guessing, that Daniel Dubois dominates and stops Bryan and wins a fraction of the WBA title, uh, which is pretty freaking pathetic. Pretty freaking pathetic. 
Shame on the WBA for all that they do. Oh, they're just the worst. They really are the freaking worst. Okay. I think that's it, guys. Um, for the preview, like I said, loaded weekend. I want to make sure I didn't miss any super chats. Uh, they were good. All right, let's jump to the phones real quick. I'm not going to take a bunch of calls, but we are going to take a few. All right. So let's get to these. And we start with 317. What's up? You're on the show. Go. Hey, what's up, Mike? It's Nacho. Nah, I'm just playing. <laughs> Nacho, hey, that's Jack. What's up, Jack? How you doing, man? Good. So we called it, man. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it was too hard to predict the Haney decision. Um, I think you'll agree with me that you didn't think – I didn't think it was going to be that one-sided. I thought, you know, Gambosos would win like three or four. Wouldn't you agree? I didn't think Haney would beat him that decisively. I thought he would. Yeah, I thought this was going to be a one-sided. No, I did. <laughs> no, you didn't. Go back and watch. You you said it'd be like eight, you said like eight four seven type type of fight, and you can. Is see, that what I said? Uh, you can see stuff. Yes, that's what you said. All right, fair enough. Let me go back. I'm going to find no, the article because uh, I'm going to find. I'm going to go ahead. You keep going, but I'm going to find the article where uh, my predictions on Ring TV. But go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was talking about one of your videos, but, uh, yeah, so the thing about, and one more thing, I hope you don't get pissed for me calling you out on this. I want to give some constructive criticism. I know you compared your fight to Piacimo, like, and Cambosos. You're like, I know what it's like to have a couple issues. I mean, we don't really know. We can't really compare the situations. You know what I'm saying? Well, of course, I mean, it's not the exact dude, same. Like, I had a three-round amateur fight. These guys yeah. are professionals fighting 12 rounds. I'm just saying I took an opponent lightly. He started fast. I almost was able to get him at the very end. I had him hurt, almost out of there. So it's similar in that respect. It's just something me and my coach were talking about recently. Uh, let me oh, let me read my official prediction off of ringtv.com, uh, Jack. And, and, and quote, okay. this: I'm quoting myself here. Despite all the obstacles, I believe Haney will outbox Cambosos comfortably to win a decision, a unanimous decision in Australia. This is the American's big moment, and he will seize it to become the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. Boom. Come on. Fair play. Fair play. Fair play, lad. <laughs> Whoa, auto deception. See, right there, that's for me. Whoa, auto deception. <laughs> See, I tricked you right there. <laughs> yeah, um, whatchamacallit. So the reason why I think that TFBMO lost to Cambosos is um, Gambosos, no matter what we say, he's not elite, but he does have an elite level chin. You remember he took a bunch of huge shots from Tiafimo. He yes. up. That's one of the reasons he was able to stay in that fight. Good point. And I made $50 with one of my friends, that one of my friends, Justin, he said that Tiafimo, or Haney hits harder than Tiafimo. And I was like, $50 that Haney does not drop George Gambosos. And I kind of, you want to know the funniest fucking thing? This dude, <laughs> this dude uh, sent me the money in the 10th round. Oh shit! <laughs> Damn, dude, that's hilarious, dude. <laughs> he was like, "Dude, the fight's not even over." But you, but, but you can tell. Like by the third round, I'm like, "Oh shit!" Because I was writing the article for Ring TV, and I was just like, "Yeah, this is going to distance." I changed the title of my article. You know, I just I started typing it all out because you just knew. You freaking knew. I think that's awesome, though. That dude said, Here, here's your fucking money, Jack. I know it's the 10th round, but here's your fucking money. That's what he was saying. I love it. That's hilarious. Yeah. No, you want to know hilarious? Someone commented, Nacho calls me an hour long, and he doesn't allow Mike to talk at all. And then, and then every time, like, 
All right, Mike, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, I just I just posted that here on the page. I just pinned it to the page. I gotta see what we gotta get Nacho to respond to this. All right, Nacho. It's your turn to respond to Deluxe Recordings yeah. comment. He says that Nacho calls Nacho calls be an hour long and does not allow Mike to talk. And he ends it every time like, I am Mike, that's all I got. So, boom. All right, now Nacho's got to respond to that. We'll hear what he says. <clears throat> all right. Um, so, the, the fight was good, but, dude, you know, I predicted Haney to win this. But after seeing the fight, Haney's talented, but Mike, I think he's really chinning. I think he has an Amir contact chin, but he's just mm. really defensively sound. I think he can get dropped very easily. Um, if he fought Tiafimo now, I'd favor Tiafimo. Like, even this Tiafimo, because he couldn't hurt Tiafimo with his pretty fat punches, and Tiafimo would eventually land a bomb on him. Would you agree? It's possible. It's possible. But, shit. I, dude, I don't even know what's left of Tio because he's about to fight a journeyman at 140. I got to see him. But if it's the if it's the teal that fought Loma, sure, yeah, I could see that. Dude, that one, yeah, that was a because the thing about him, uh, Lomachenko, I think he was kind of nervous, and then when he started boxing, he started fucking up Tiafimo. Now Tiafimo's talented, but out of all these guys, the one thirty five pounders, I think a lot. I think the best. Okay, okay, wait, wait. On the count of three, and don't say it. Just keep in your head. On the count of three, I want you to name who you think the best fighter at 135 in the world is right now. Don't say it. On the count of three, one, two, three, Lomachenko. Yeah, I knew you were going to say Loma. Uh, he, here's it's a it's a great point. What the hell, man? I ignored you. you no, no, no. I the reason why I did that is because I know where you're going with it, and you, there are a couple guys that brought this up, but I gotta rate Haney number one because he's got the belts. And he's in, in, and we got to see Loma after the war, dude. I don't know how Loma's going to look, man. He might never be the same after that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about Jonair and uh, in a way, uh, they call this fight uh, Drama and Saitama. And what a fucking awesome name for the fight. That's such a great name. I like it. Uh, yeah. And this fight is going to be amazing, dude. It's crazy that the last time these guys fought, it was. Um, Three years ago, I was still in high school. It was my senior year, and I remember, uh, I, I remember telling you this a few times. My, uh, I think it was like history class or something. The teacher was like, "It was like something out of a dream." He was like, "We're not doing anything today." And this is when the fight was like in round four, and I had to be really quiet the entire time because, like, in a way, like dropped him and then got hurt by the left hook, and then Donaire hurt in a way, dude. I was like, because mm, I was because I wanted to just you know flip out and shit. But I couldn't because I was in the middle of class. Yeah, you have to like, or something. You don't want to jump up and down. They might yeah, think something but, uh, really bad's about to happen. Yeah, I can I hear you, man. Yeah. Whoa, 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 Mike. Whoa. Not you, not because yeah. it's you. I just mean in general. People are jumping in school these no, no, days. Still, you know? still, still. No, 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 I know what you mean. But uh <laughs> I think it's gonna be a fifty fifty fight, believe it or not, because I think okay. uh in a way, yeah, it's the same to me. After the first Donaire fight, I'm serious. And I think Donaire is going to put everything on the line, and he has that puncher's chance. And I'm probably favoring anyway by a little bit, but the odds, man, the odds are really good. So I'm going to take Donaire. Yeah. Uh, you know, it'll be okay. a great fight. Yeah. Uh, and also, Joe Smith for Turbia, when that's coming up, I think uh, I'm betting a sh like a shit ton on Joe Smith because I think Styles make fights. And, um, you know, I just think Joe Smith has a really good... What do you think of that fight? 
Yeah, you know, I think Thad sees it the way you do. I, th- I want to say Thad is um, putting money on Joe Smith because I know he likes Joe Smith a lot. I, I keep saying this about Baturbiev. That style breaks down, and he's had injuries. Um, he, he's been inactive. And at some point, he is going to look old overnight. Maybe Joe Smith's the guy to do it to him. I don't know. We'll find out. But I'm going to be ringside for that one. I'm going to be there. I'm excited, man. Yeah. Okay, Mike. Uh yeah, I'm going to tell you, someone said Jack is an exuberant young man. Is that an insult or a, or a compliment? <laughs> I think exuberant is good. I think that is a good word. Now I got to look it I up, damn live, it. I like having... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no. It says um, filled with or characterized by lively energy and excitement. Yeah, around go. people. Like, like when I, you were so calm, but I was just like happy to be in the moment. I'm just a happy dude excited all the time like you remember my reaction to canelo bibble i was like let's fucking go oh yeah well you you called that shit for months though you called that shit for months so i could see why you were that excited that was pretty awesome man that was fun all right man yeah uh hopefully we can spar soon by the way too i need to get some work back in i'm talking to your coach but uh okay i can talk i can tell you about that later it's your show but hell yeah man take it easy all right jack peace yeah, there he goes. Yes, Jack is rather exuberant. There are times where I'm exuberant, but most of the time when I'm doing my show here, I'm freaking tired. So I try to have energy, but uh, sometimes it's hard. Sam with another super chat. Uh, thank you, Sam. He says, I meant at 23, Haney has accomplished and shows maturity for big fights like a young Floyd minus the knockouts. Now on that, sir, I concur. Uh, for Haney, listen, And I don't know if I made this clear enough in my review for Haney to travel all the way to Australia, all the bullshit with his dad, all that stuff going in. It eventually got fixed, but you got to think of the the turmoil going in. Right. But man, just to travel that far and fight in front of 40, I think it was 41,000 fans were there in attendance. And let's be honest, 49 or 40,900 of them were there for Cambosos, right? There was a hundred or so there for Haney. Uh, for him to handle it the way he did in box the way he did, outstanding performance. That's really, really hard to do. So in that respect, you're, you're absolutely right, Sam. Uh, he showed some big-time, big-fight maturity like a young Floyd. Um, so on that, I completely agree with you, completely. All right, back to the phones we go. We'll do a few more. 201, you're on the show. What's up? Yo, Mike, what's going on? It's TJ, man. TJ, what's up, man? Is it TJ or PJ? Hey, I, no, it's TJ. Okay, TJ. okay, TJ, what's up? I called you, yeah, I called you, I called you a couple months ago. This is the second time calling. Okay. When uh, they announced the, the Haney-Loma fight, because uh, I'm sorry, the Haney-Campbell fight, because I know Loma was in the running, and I uh, I was on the phone talking to you about how I thought Haney, because they had the WBC piece of the puzzle. That's right. Out, you know, the I remember that. Should take should take place over everything. Yeah, no, it was a good conversation. You know, I'm like I'm like you. I'm like uh, borderline obsessed with boxing, and uh, I study tape, I study styles. I bet that's my thing. So at any time, uh, you don't think I'm saying something at some point? Stop me at any time. I'll give you an explanation. But as far as this fight that was coming up, because I go on a lot of UK channels because they're so passionate. Uh, I, lo- I love their style, but a lot of people thought this was going to be a 50-50 fight. I got a lot of heat for this because everyone was drunk and high off the Teofimo win. Mm-hmm. Now, if you saw what I saw, that was like a 60% Teofimo. Yes. Besides the weight cuts, the father, 
all the drama between his wife and his mother's nutritionist, not getting along, like it getting postponed. There was something off that night with Teofimo. 100% I'll take Teofimo in a rematch any day with Ken Rosa. Now, with that being said, what they refused to acknowledge were the two fights, the two split decisions before. If you watch, mo- most specifically, the Mickey Bay fight. Lee Selby, 126-pounder, that he didn't knock out or stop, that just got stopped in Argentina by Ganyan Lemos. Okay. Now, look at Mickey Bay, who has a very good jab. When he fought Mickey Bay, Mickey Bay was 37 and a half years old, almost like two and a half years in action. And he couldn't miss with the jab. Now, I don't know about Haney being a pound for pound. I hate pound for pound list, but I'll tell you right now, if I had one, Haney wouldn't be on my pound for pound list. Okay. But what he would be on is pound for pound, one of the best jabs in boxing. Yes. Now, if you watch the Mickey Bay fight, he had the blueprint. I was telling people, 10 to. I don't see Cambosis getting more than two rounds. People thought I was crazy. People thought Haney was going to get stopped because he got wobbled by Lenaris. Lenaris and Campbell have nothing in common. Now, yeah. he did exactly what I thought he was going to do. He's been at 23 years old. And, yeah, he was boring. It wasn't a good fight. But that doesn't just fall on Haney, too, because that is also up to Cambosis. You know, he has to make it competitive as well. Now, I wasn't sold on Cambosis. And even before that, like you touched on, with possibly Jojo Diaz beating him. I think Isaac Cruz is a 50-50 fight. Yep. Even Roley Romero, you know, believe that or not. <sighs> but um, those are close fights with Cambosis. I'm, I'm not sold on him, wasn't sold on him, and the rematch is just going to be as boring. But uh, I know that the last guy, what was his name, Jack? Very passionate. I like the kid. Is it Jack or Jack? Jack, yeah. I don't it's know Jack. We, uh, yeah, yeah. So now that Haney has the belt, he called, who was, Number one at 135. I'll tell you this, what I honestly believe. If there was to be a tournament, you pick your top six, eight lightweights at 135. When it's all said and done, when the dust clears, the smoke settles, there's one guy at the top of the mountain. His name's Tank Davis. I'll tell you right now. The problem with Loma is he's too small at 135. And I understand you made a comment earlier, people get butthurt about it. When people, you know, you say Loma's the best, and I get it. When you talk to people, they constantly bring up, well, he had 396 wins, two gold medals, three-weight division champion. I get all that. Mikey Garcia was a four-weight champion. Look, that doesn't mean anything. He just lost to Sandor Martin. Adrian Broner, four-weight champion. You have Olympic gold medals, which, yeah, they're great, but that's not prize fighting. Look at Tony Yoka. He was one of the best amateurs to ever come out of France. He just lost to a guy that had 16 amateur fights. Martin Bocoli. Now, take that all aside. This is what I give you points for. How you beat somebody and when you beat them. Now, I'm not giving you points for going 12 rounds with Jose Pedraza, 12 rounds with Luke Campbell, and when I was scoring the Jorge Linares fight, I had it a draw going into the 10th. Your most significant fight at 135, you lost. The Teofimo Lopez. Now, if you were going to do a triangle theory, which I don't like to do, but this is a pretty damn good one. You see what Devin Haney did to Jorge Linares and what Loma did. Now, Jorge Linares' flaw throughout his entire career, you know this, to his durability, he just lost to Zaira Abdulia, the guy that Devin Heaney broke his jaw in the fourth round, right? Even though he was completely out of boxing, Zaira Abdulia in Russia, he's a very good boxer. But the thing with Devin Heaney is, Devin Heaney is huge. The size disadvantage is too much. You see how big he is against Cambosis. Now, 
he has probably one of the best jabs, and his footwork isn't as good as Loma. Loma has the best footwork at 135. He's able to get in and out of the pocket and able to create angles. Now, what he did against Comey, Comey has no footwork. That's the thing. He only has that right hand. He doesn't win fights by decision. He wins fights by knockdown. So people get a little, like, drunk and memorized off what he did to Comey. That doesn't mean that's what he's going to do to Haney. And I say about Tank is because Tank, even though he doesn't have the resume to prove what I'm saying, you saw what Haney, the Haney and Jojo Diaz fight. Jojo Diaz, what people talk about, he's a southpaw. And he's 130 He's able to get inside past that jab, and he was touching Devin Haney up. Devin Haney is significantly flawed defensively. He is not special like Shakur Stevens. He is elite. Devin Haney is elite, but he's not special. This is different. There's only a few people I put up there, Terrence Crawford being another one. If you know what I'm saying, if you catch my drift on that. I think that's still a lot of reason why people don't put Devin Haney on a pound for pound, even with the undisputedness. Because mm. there's a lot of boxing insiders that will put Boots on the pound for pound before Devin Haney. And Boots doesn't even have the belt, if you know where I'm going with that. So I would say Tank Davis, with his power, would probably stop somebody like Devin Haney. And he keeps people honest like Lomachenko. That's why Lomachenko, I think, was so worried about Teofimo's right hand. You know, Teofimo's huge at 135. They say sometimes when they see him, Standing next to Buck Crawford, like after he's rehydrated, he looks bigger than Buck Crawford. Mm -hmm. And Devin Haney's going to have a problem at 140 once he goes up there because there's some killers at 140. That's a way deeper division than 135 with the Gary Anton Russell, uh, uh, you know, not even Montana Love, but Brandon Lee. Then you've got Regis Progray. I don't know. I don't think he's going to stay at 135 much longer. So, but hopefully we get the fights uh, for that we need with the Ryan Garcia's. And Tank and Loma Tank when he comes back. What, what are your thoughts on what I'm saying? Am I am I off? I think you're making a lot of good points. Um, I think the the Lomachenko thing and the, the Pedraza comparisons is a little unfair because I understand what you're saying, but Pedraza maybe wasn't the same um, when when some other guys fought him. Um, I, I thought that was a really really good win for Lomachenko considering he moved up from 126. But I look. I don't know where to rate Loma right now. I, I think he needs the top lightweight right now because he has the belts and he's beat the guy who beat the guy. I get what you're saying about Tank in terms of styles, but Tank has been fighting C-level fighters, dude. He's been fighting guys that, yeah, maybe um, he, he stops them. He's exciting. He is he is more explosive than Haney, but he also gets caught. And we've seen Isaac Cruz put some punches on him. We saw an ancient... Leo Santa Cruz put some leather on him. So what happens, you know, can Haney get behind his stick and jab the shit out of him? Can um, some of these other top, I don't know, how does Teofimo Lopez do against Javante Davis? I think he'd have a lot of success with them. Um, I just don't know where to rate Tank because he ain't fought nobody. That's that's my thing with Tank. Right now, to me, Haney's top guy. I don't even rate Lomachenko because he's not an active fighter right now. In my opinion, he's like semi-retired because he's at war. I just don't even think about him. And then the other guys, they just have to fight. Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis, they got to fight somebody before we really know who they are. That's how I see it. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Hopefully, you know, it's it's the it's the promoters that, that get in the way of everything. And one thing I hate besides rehydration clauses are these rematch clauses. They are absolutely yeah. ruining boxing. You know, that's that's something that that people got to get on board with. And one last thing with Steve Steve Fulton. I hope uh, after this anyway fight, we can get the, the monster and Fulton fight. 
I really think that would be yeah, a, a next great year. fight. I understand the date there, you know. But Mike, good talking to you. All right, brother. Have a good one. There he goes. I, I, some good stuff from TJ, man. And look, man, he's got um, some good insight. And uh, you can see why some of his opinions might upset some people. I know Lomachenko is a fan favorite, but I, I don't know where to rate Loma right now. You know, a lot of people saying, oh, Loma would school these young guys. I'm like, well, based on what? Last time we saw him fight, uh, a top guy was Tiafima Lopez. He looked a little gun shy, at least in the first half of the fight. Took him a while to catch up. And maybe he took Tiafimo lightly, and it took him a while to catch up. I, there's this weird thing going on at lightweight. Tiafimo Lopez scored a big upset over Loma. Camboso scored a big upset over Tio. And now Devin Haney just kind of did what we thought he would do against George Cambosos. To me, it was Lomachenko that kind of cleaned things out and did the work. And these other guys are kind of benefiting off of one win and kind of riding the wave of this one upset that took place a couple of years back. And things are kind of just all over the place. We've had four different guys at the top of the lightweight division over the last couple of years. It's kind of just all over the place. It's in flux right now. The last guy to like clean it out and be seen as the man, you know, consistently was, was uh, Lomachenko. So I hope Haney could stick around at 135 for these next couple fights. And maybe he fights Cambosos again. And then maybe it's one other guy at 135. Um, and we could see that. I don't know. Maybe Shakur Stevenson can move up from 130 and fight Devin Haney at 135 for undisputed next year. Something like that would be great. That would be a special fight. All right. Let's go back to the phones. I think this is Thad. A 570, you're on the show. What's up? Hey, thanks, Mike. <clears throat> yeah. The, uh, the thing with Lomachenko, before he left against Kome, he would have been top lightweight, I thought so. Uh, based on the Las Vegas odds, they had him a seven, installed him at a seven to one, eight to one favorite. Um, that's minus 800, minus 700 at different outlets um, against Cambosis. Kevin Haney was minus 200, two to one. So Las Vegas thought he was a significantly better fighter against Cambosis. So that, that should kind of tell you what you need to know. Now, over after the war, we don't really know. All bets are right. off. I know Alexander Yusuf is having a very, very tough time uh, in his camp. He's not the same fighter mentally or physically. I really hope he pulls out of that fight with Joshua. But just in case, I did. I'm, I'm I hearing bad things. That I got. I've heard. Um, yeah. I'm just. I'm not going to go on record, but I've heard yeah. bad things about Usyk. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. And I, I understand it. I mean, I completely understand it. That's why I said a couple of weeks ago, I hope they pull him out of this fight. He's not I, I kind of do too. He's not ready physically or mentally. He's not ready for July. So I'm scared There's about no way. that. There's no way. No, no, not at all. I think they're going to pull him out. I, I mean, I. <laughs> he's a two and a half to one favorite. AJ's plus 160. I, I, I love Usyk. I think he's the better fighter by miles. I always did. But under these circumstances, you'd be a fool not to take that. Um, AJ has been, you know, he's had the training for this for the last year and a half almost. Mm -hmm. So, or the last year. So unfortunately with Loma, you might see something similar. Um, we really just really don't know, but, uh, Devin Haney should not be put on a main event, um, like that ever again. <laughs> he, he, he just reminds me of a poor man's Lonnie Bradley, Ooh. a poor man's Lonnie Bradley from back in the day. Damn. Yeah. I think he's got the talent, but he doesn't have the mindset of a fighter. 
where he had, he's strong mentally in going over to get a victory, but he's he's afraid to get hit. He, he's been raised that way. He's been raised to not get hit, and every time he gets touched, he panics. Um, once he moves up to 40, because he's having a hard time at, at 35 right now, you can see that at, at the weigh-in. Mm. You know, he's going to get touched up because he's not going to have the length, and that was the huge advantage. I, 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 I followed your... Uh, your prediction. And I looked on my own. I did my research and I said, there's no way Cambosos can win this fight because he's just too small. He doesn't have any power. He doesn't know how to pressure, you know, without the power. So that's why we saw Devin Haney and his father celebrating when that video was leaked. I knew that that was the reason why they went over. And that was a godsend for them. Um, They knew that they could beat Devin Haney. They did not know they could beat Teofimo Lopez. And then with the uh, the war happening in Russia, everything fell into play. So <laughs> they really need to thank Russia, I think, for all of this. Because <laughs> Loma would be having the belts right now, you know, if that w- wasn't the case. So, you know, all the, you know, they get the accolades and everything. But uh, I think I think Haney might, you know, freeze those belts, you know, after a while. I don't know if he's going to want to fight anybody of significance because now they could they could always say I'm undisputed and play it safe the rest of the way. This is like the, the Mayweather blueprint. At least Mayweather put in um, the time and, and the work when he was a younger fighter. When that guy said, uh, he's a young Mayweather. I mean, come on, that's not even a, that's not even a comparison. Mayweather was like you said, knocking guys out. He was an elite amateur. He beat a Cuban. He was one of the first Americans to beat a Cuban uh, in the Olympics since like, I think 88, maybe. So that was, that was significant. You, you can't put Devin Haney in any, any circle of that uh, stand, standing of greatness until he beats a great fighter. And if you remember J- Zab Judah, I like Zab Judah, okay? But he never beat an elite fighter. You could say that uh, Corey Spinks was elite. I beg to differ. I saw I was there ringside when he fought uh, Mayorga, and uh, he got a decision. And Mayorga, you know, he was caught off guard by the style. But um, Zab and him went one and one. But Zab never won a big fight against an elite fighter. Every guy he stepped up that was elite, he lost. I think that's what you're going to see with Devin Haney. I think that's what it's going to come down to. So my, I'm like, I would sell stock on Haney now. Maybe he'll, he'll destroy Cambosis again by decision. Like, like, like what did Garcia say? NyQuil? Is that what he said? <laughs> In the interview? That, was an, that fight was NyQuil? Oh, yeah. shit. Because that's what it was. Yeah, it was a tough I, watch, um, man. Yeah, it was I got a tough yelled watch. at. Yeah, I told somebody to change the channel. Uh, you know, I was playing poker, and after that, you know, at the bar, they're like, "Man, you just cost me so many customers." I had to like tip amazingly because they that fight stunk out the joint. Literally, people were leaving. They were begging for women's softball. That's what that's what I was hearing. Put the softball game on. That's what I heard. But, I'm, wow. but it was like, no, you have ESPN two. <laughs> so it was bad. People were they were like, "What is this?" It's bad for boxing. I, I just hope Aram learned his lesson. And uh, well, we know Aram. We that. know Aram won't hold back. I mean, he'll he'll. He, remember how we talked about Rigondiao? You know, uh, he's not afraid to say it like it is. Let's see what happens. Again, well, let me ask you this: that if Haney goes yeah. and does the rematch and does put more offense in and stops Cambosis in the rematch, would you give him more credit? Would you feel better about it? Well, it's growth. It's growth. And yeah, he would get credit. He okay. would get credit. But, but Cambosis is a, he's a B-level guy. And I, 
I thought maybe he would improve, but no, I mean, Heyman, uh, he's limited, Cambosos. Yeah. Cambosos he's going to give certain people problems. Yeah, I mean, but the size was apparent, and uh, that was the dead giveaway when, when his father and him were celebrating after uh, the win. Uh, that that uh, video was leaked. I mean, that was pretty much a dead giveaway, and the odds makers had Haney uh, an even-up decision winner, and that's all it took. That's what I, I took myself, and unfortunately, Junior Fa screwed me um yeah that was from, tough uh a major major i would have had a down payment on a uh another laundromat there Damn. um but yeah that that destroyed yeah if you're taking parlays that that's that's one of the risks uh a 43 year old year old guy you think is gonna get blown out ends up landing two rabbit punches <laughs> in your room yeah. so uh the joke was on me on that but still was a it was a profitable weekend and it ends to tomorrow with, uh, I have in a way straight up minus he's big favorite minus 600 and, uh, and by knockout, he's, uh, the odds are coming down on knockout. He was, he started off at minus two thirty. Now it's down to minus minus one forty five for him to win by knockout. I just think in the first fight, he took him a little, little light and uh, I'm a big Donaire fan. My God, first ball, hall of famer. Love the guy. I just think this is a, a, at an airport. You see a plane taking off and a plane landing, and Donaire is landing right now. And I think I think Monster is taking off to be the superstar in the sport. Yeah. Just unfortunate that he's a small guy. He can't really move up much, if at any. I mean, one twenty-two. That's just probably that's probably like Loma at thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he could fight Fulton, I, I think he can. I think he can beat him, but. I think he's the budding star, and I like him by knockout tomorrow, sometime between 7 and 9. And you'll get plus 475 odds if you take that bet. So if you put up 100, you'll win back 475 plus the 100. Damn. That's great. Donaire, yeah. It is 7, 8, or 9. I, I just think he's going to break him down. I thought he took him lightly the first fight, and Donaire should have won the first fight, I thought. Broke his orbital. That just sh- that told me that this guy's not going to lose um, at that weight. If he couldn't get him out of there two years ago, three years ago, I don't think he can do it now. So that's a money fight right there. And, uh, and uh, you know, I-, I just can't wait to watch that in the morning. That's me a too. treat. Me too. Uh, I wouldn't expect it to go 12. I think that's a foregone conclusion. That that ends in a knockout like Joe Smith and Baturbiev. And both guys are using puncher's gloves, the MX uh, Everlast, which I, I love, and the Cleto Reyes, the traditional puncher's glove. Mm-hmm. And that's what uh, Donaire's wearing the MX. And uh, in a way, he's wearing the, the Cletus. So I, I don't see that fight going a distance at all. And, uh, you know, you got you to gotta love a samurai. <laughs> and they uh, death before dishonor. Yep. So he's going to go on the shield one way or another this tomorrow. So it's going to be knockout, knockout city. So, uh, yeah, if, uh, there's one more thing I could add. And, uh, with, when you said, um, Verona, New York, do you know where that venue is? When you say Verona, New York, probably not, but Verona's upstate, right? It's turning stone. Yeah. Turning stone Verona's upstate. Yeah. yeah. Great, great venue. That's, that's kind of like my, uh, my stomping grounds up there. Okay. And, uh, place for boxing. Uh, saw Bibble fight there a few times and uh, Joe Smith, obviously. I mean, they fought there. Um, it's a great boxing venue. And, and Jalalov, he's the 
the gold medalist, and I'm high on him. Yeah, he's he's the next heavyweight star. He might be uh, Vladimir Klitschko, except he's a lefty. Hmm. So he's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, I I got tickets, but I can't go unfortunately. So uh, I had to give them back. Yeah, Biden and his energy policies just crippled me. They uh, (laughs) they raised well, they didn't raise the electric. Listen to this. Yeah, I have laundromats and laundromats, and uh, I'm I'm a shareholder. I I have 45% stake, and you know we we have a built-in contract, you know, with power and. The electric electric company, unfortunately, I mean, we have gas, but electric to run the machines and they raise the rates, not directly, but indirectly in all the fees that they associate. So we can't get around them. I even have insurance on stuff like that, but they're so sneaky. The energy companies now under Biden, they're able to circumvent that. So, yeah, there's going to be an energy crisis in the United States moving forward this, this fall. Good times. Maybe even this summer, but got to deal with that. $5 a gallon gas up here. Yep. Too. Good times. They want people to buy the electric cars. Yeah. So in, in, in some ways, it, it's, it shadows boxing in a way, like how PBC tried to monopolize the sport. They keep everything in-house, and they have an agenda, and they're trying to, you know – push their agenda that, that's kind of what we're seeing in the real world too unfortunately but yeah it affects everybody it really does i don't care who you are on the right left alien doesn't matter <laughs> you know they're they're smoking us out mike they're mm. they want us to abide by this uh, energy this green green new deal and uh now they're they don't want us to uh you know be driving anywhere they want to keep us where they could control us and they, and they want us to turn to them for help. And, uh, that's how they beat down, you know, a populace. I just, I just hope people wake up. I really do before it's too late. So that's, that's my story. I'm sorry. You know, I'm probably gonna have to put boxing on the back burner now, but, uh, yeah, if junior Faye would, would have won, that would have paid for junior everything. Faye I helped you out a little bit. For a new one. Well, I got my plane I mean, tickets. I was gonna say I got my plane tickets for New York in a couple of weeks. So regardless of gas prices, I'm still Boy. getting my ass up to New York for that Biterbi of Smith fight. You're there, man. But I'll be there. And you're gonna have a blast. I mean, it's yeah. gonna be a great time. You and your wife, and we're gonna have fun. Yeah, you should tell Tiffany to to give us give us a little bit more time if you like on your show. Like, tell tell her to not to you know bother you when you're talking to us because like she she's like. <laughs> You know, it's small potatoes, not. <laughs> no, she's great, but uh, <laughs> we'll get her. We'll get her on here yeah, soon. Yeah, you get a frying pan over the head. We'll get her on here soon. Yeah, That'll please do. That'd be great. Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe I'd we'll do something from, from some your... of the female. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to hear some uh, from some of the female fans, like Gail. I always see her commenting. She has a great boxing mind. Yeah, Gail's uh, awesome. You know, a lot of these people, maybe even maybe even have a female fighter call in, like a Katie Taylor, and then have her on the line with. Uh, with um who likes to make the impressions of her um oh jack really i forget oh my god that'd be if we got jack and katie taylor on the phone together that would be freaking hilarious oh i have to do that i I bet i wouldn't know who's who that's his best impression yeah by far yeah excellent and yeah that would be great to hear from her and you know some of these female fighters i'm because they're very approachable people. Usually back yeah. in the day, I'm saying boxing, you know, the, the fighters were always front and center, you know, but uh, nowadays some of them are divas, you know, but unfortunately, yeah, true that. Um, oh, one more thing. 
Did you catch Polly Malinaji trolling Devin Haney? No. On on his podcast, it was like six minutes long. Oh, right at the end, he's like, "Well, yeah, we're going to see if Haney's going to keep his promise." Keep his promise. He was alluding to the fact that Haney said he'd never lose to a white boy, aka Bernard Hopkins Ooh. versus uh, Calzaghi. Oh man! So he was. Yeah, no, I didn't see that time. Well, Devin Haney kept oh, his promise. Yeah. This this weekend, we'll see what happens if he <laughs> if he moves up and fights <laughs> the Josh weekend, Taylors yeah, of did. the world. I don't think Devin Haney would look very good against a guy like Josh Taylor, somebody mm-hmm. like that, you know, because his height and everything. He, he get knocked out by Taylor. Is would be smothered, yeah, would, you know. In my opinion. But the white guys at 135, he'll he'll be okay because he's a lot taller and longer, and you can use that jab. But we'll see what happens. We'll see. So he kept his promise. So far. If Lomachenko comes back, if, Dude, if he fights but the Lomachenko, we don't know what Loma is going to look like. We don't know what Loma is going to look like. Right, we, exactly. We don't. That's know. what I'm saying. If he if he was the same guy who fought Comey, Loma would would knock him out too. Um, and I think Ryan Garcia, the diva he is, I just think he's more talented, and uh, he has that that. He's faster in the, in the power. He's going to be the difference in that fight. Yeah, that's the Tank one I actually want to see. Yeah, I'm not really interested in Tank versus Haney, but oh. I'm interested in Garcia versus Haney for the styles. I actually think Tank versus Tio yeah. would be oh, fun. 100%. Tank versus Tio would be a hell of a lot of fun. But Yeah. Um, Tank is too small for Tio. Tank is way too small. Did you see Tank and uh, Shakur Stevenson standing next to yeah. each other? Yeah, Tank's I mean, a literally, little dude. He was like his little brother. Yeah. yeah. He's a little guy, and, and Loma's a little little guy, but not as little as Tank. Tank gets fatter. He's like a broner sort of, but mm-hmm. Tank should not be fighting past one thirty-five. That that's he's he's a small guy, so he's gonna get you know if he fights anyone that's better than the the guy he fought at one forty. I mean he gets he gets he's in trouble. So yeah, size matters, and uh, you know that's, that's usually the, that's usually the adage: a good big man will always beat a good small man. So. Yes, indeed. Take it for what it's worth, but yeah, hopefully Usyk, Usyk pulls out, man. I don't want to see that where a guy's just going in there to, to cast, to, you know, fulfill an obligation. I think that's what it's more about is the uh, the obligation of the contract. So, yeah, I really hope, you know, he gets straightened out before, or even just retires at this point. Uh, I don't want to see that. I really don't. So, all right, Mike. Um, all right, to, Dad. Love to hear what you have to say. All right, brother. Have a good one. You too, man. All right, bye. All right, there he goes. Um, all right, so, so Mendeli is posting in the chat here that uh, Charlus Suleski, I think how you pronounce it, Suleski is postponed. Charlo is hurt, I hear. Interesting. Um, I haven't heard anything, but let me check because uh, apparently he said Dan Raphael, the old ESPN Dan Raphael, who I don't know who. Dan is writing for these days, but um, he said he posted something on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. So according to Dan Raphael, we're going to post this here is uh, breaking news. Let me go ahead and share my screen. Um, and then we're probably going to wrap it up guys. We'll be going for an hour and a half here about to uh, yeah, let me share this. So I'll read this for those of you listening um, to the, uh, hang on to the, Audio. So, okay, Dan Raphael posted, breaking Charlo Suleski postponed. Jamal Charlo versus Macias Suleski, uh, June 18th event in Houston postponed. New date to be announced. Charlo suffers back injury in training, delaying defense of WBC, by the way, blah, 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 blah. I don't know, guys, unless I see a doctor's note. 
unless I see a doctor's note, what this screams of for me is that ticket sales were shit. And that is why they postponed this thing. Generally speaking, when you see this sort of thing, that is what's going on. But I don't know. Maybe we'll see some legit doctor's note. And uh, Charlo has hurt his back. But when I just see something like back injury, that's pretty vague. Did you strain something? Is, uh, I don't know, there's something worse than that? I mean, give us some sort of details. Is there a muscle sprain? Uh, Yeah. You know, instead of just saying back injury, that'd be like me saying, yeah, I have an arm injury. Well, for boxing, that's pretty significant, right? But an arm injury could be a lot of things. I could have tendonitis, like a sore elbow, or I literally could have broke my hand. I could have a detached bicep, or I could just have a bruised bicep. Very, very big thing. Yeah, big difference. So, um, yeah, when I see something like this, I don't know, it's a little suspicious, like perhaps... Perhaps them ticket sales weren't quite good. Because, I mean, that wasn't necessarily the greatest matchup in the world. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's leave it at that. I'm sorry for those of you who are leaving on the line. We'll do it uh, Friday. You guys can call and we'll chat. And um, we'll talk about what we got going on next week. Next week is my birthday. Actually, the next episode, next Monday. We're gonna, Episode 318 is the day of my birthday. So we'll be celebrating my birthday. And then next week, I'll be flying to New York to hang out and watch Peterbiev and Smith do it. So um, it'll be a lot of fun, man. All right, guys. Have a great, great week. And I'll see you at the fights. Peace and chicken grease.